0: This is Misty Green, and you are listening to the iLead podcast, a space to engage instructional leaders for excellence, action, and development, where we will reflect, explore, and move ideas into action. This episode is part two of a three-part series. In part one, we discussed intentional forward planning practices that include a foundational starting point of prioritizing skills and standards. To enhance your instructional planning toolkit, consider listening to the previous released iLEAD podcast, Episode 2, Planning for Success by Prioritizing Skills and Standards. In this episode, we are going to continue the conversation by moving from priority standards to the practice of deconstructing standards. In our last episode, I introduced a guest to ILEE podcast, my husband, Dr. Raul Pena. I am excited that this educational all-star and leader who I get to learn from daily is joining in the conversation again as we dive into the critical planning practice of deconstructing standards. Raul, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, love. I'm excited to be here and to be a part of this continuing dialogue and really excited to learn more about deconstructing standards.
0: Really, I don't hear
1: that word a lot. So I'm excited to hear and learn more from you as well.
0: Let's just jump into the conversation. You and I have attended countless PLCs or teacher instructional planning meetings. We've also been exposed to an endless amount of instructional professional development. Let's think in reality. How often would you say that? We've actually observed or even been privy to conversations that surround the process or practice of deconstructing standards. Uh,
1: that's really rarely or yeah. not often. Honestly, I, I can't remember one time.
0: And I and I find that fascinating. Because when we think about the the deliverables and the protocols that are in place now during the planning practices, we know that there's an element of deconstructing that is essential. Oftentimes, we hear a lot of talk and, and chat about unpacking a standard, but rarely the deconstructing component.
1: True. There's so much focus right now on unpacking standards and coming to these PLCs ready to unpack, but really not taking a deep dive. Once that occurs,
0: you know, I completely agree with you. And and I'm going to kind of lean to the fact that essentially the process of unpacking a standard is anchored to a simple process of identifying nouns and verbs and the big idea or the big concept. And, And then once that is completed, we shift into designing aligned learning objectives or learning targets. And we will be discussing learning targets in part three of this series. But you know, the purpose of unpacking a standard is to ensure that we are providing instruction or designing lessons that are aligned to the level of rigor of the standard. So that's the whole purpose of why we unpack. We unpack to really determine the level of rigor that the standard is calling for. The verb in the standard is going to truly dictate that level of rigor. For example, we would review a standard and unpack it to determine is the standard directing the students to analyze, apply, explain, justify, classify, identify. That's going to be specifically included and written for you black and white within your standard. And then what you do with that verb. What is the verb connected to? For example, when we think about a sixth grade math standard, students are asked to classify whole numbers, integers, and rational numbers using a visual representation such as a Venn diagram. To do what? The standard states to describe relationships between sets of numbers. By unpacking the standard, the PLC, the teachers, we, can easily identify the level of rigor needed to plan.
1: Exactly. You know, the standard specifically states what the students should use to represent mastery on that standard. Mastery will be observed through the use of a visual representation, such as a Venn diagram.
0: You know, and, and I love that you're specifically emphasizing what that output will look like. The standard is telling us, how will the students represent this by the use of potentially a Venn diagram? Do teachers have the autonomy to pull in a different representation model? Sure, but for new teachers, novice teachers, or to lighten your planning practices, your planning load, the standard has told you exactly what you can include. But I want us to stop right here. What we just said, when I think about what I'm currently seeing in PLCs and where some breakdowns in conversation and planning occur, is right here. At times, I've observed the overcomplications of completing what we know as a no-show chart. But here it is. I want to highlight. We just discussed the purpose of unpacking a standard is to do what? Determine the level of rigor. To determine the level of rigor by identifying the verbs, we know the level of rigor. By determining the nouns, we know what it's connected to. And when we blend both of those together and we look at the overarching concept, we can quickly identify what mastery should. And will look like. And, and there it is. is. Yep, there it is. By identifying the verbs, the level of rigor and what we should see, then we've actually been able to truly begin the process of completing the show portion of a no-show chart. The show portion is anchored to what will or should mastery on this standard look like. Unpacking the standard has scaffolded you or provided you with that first phase of completing your no-show chart. The process of unpacking is critical in the planning phase, but, and this goes back to what we were mentioning earlier, we often don't see this practice in place. The deconstructing process is equally important. Um, We just mentioned a no-show chart. More often than not, I know for me, where I start to really see teachers have difficulty or even instructional facilitators or those facilitating PLCs have difficulty, they begin to grapple with completing the no-show chart, specifically in that no column.
1: Yes, exactly. That's where I've seen a struggle. and, And many times they start thinking about where kids are coming in from the prior grade level, and they st- really struggle in just getting started with that no call.
0: You know, I agree with you. And that's what, for me, it's building that capacity in the moment. It's coaching in the moment how to complete the no portion. The show is basically done for you. I mean, of course, we can elevate it after we've unpacked that standard. We know the level of rigor. We know the verbs that are included. We know we have instructional resources to rely on that have higher level verbs to include, but now we're at the nose. This is why deconstruction, deconstructing the standard is critical. When we deconstruct a standard, we literally break it down to its base level. I often say when I'm in a PLC or when I'm presenting, we tear it apart layer by layer. Think of an onion. You're removing each layer to get down to the core to determine the necessary, necessary prerequisite knowledge and skills. The purpose of this process is to ensure we are mindful of what students need to already know or at least have some solid exposure to prior to being able to do what? To achieve a mastery On that show side, if in fact, when we're in our PLC and we're sparring with the nose, those prerequisite skills, don't let your PLC fall apart because you or your partner have a disagreement between what is a prerequisite skill. The reality in classroom A, the prerequisite knowledge may look a little different then what in classroom B, what that teacher would note as being the prerequisite skills and knowledge. But one thing doesn't change. The output, what mastery should look like. Meaning, as long as you're cutting it down layer by layer and deconstructing, neither teacher A or teacher B are wrong. As long as every layer scaffolds the student toward mastery on the show side what it will actually look like and when done with fidelity the deconstruction of a standard can assist you in identifying what possible student misconceptions
1: if if really we were able to identify possible misconceptions in the forward planning phase we would be better able and prepared to differentiate during tier one instruction or even ensure that we were mindful of tapping or spiraling in the prerequisite skills to those skills that showed up when they were deconstructed.
0: You know, I like that you said tapping, you know, a lot of educators come in the field and they're like, what does that mean to tap, to tap that SE? There is no way that you can teach every standard in isolation with the full lesson. So when Raul just said tapping or spiraling, you have your overarching standard, the one that you're building that no-show to, the one that you've unpacked, the one that now we're unpacking. So when you said you're tapping and you're spiraling, that means those other skills over there, those prerequisites in the know, you should be tapping them every single time during your tier one through your teacher modeling conversations, your think-alouds, and your probing questions.
1: Exactly. Deconstructing standards will offer teachers a a much better view of what their instructional considerations should be, and that will lead us towards student mastery of the lessons-focused standard. When I think about coaching campus leaders, this is a skill set that we really need to build with them.
0: I love that you said that. I love that you're bringing in how essential it is for campus leaders to really harness this process, because let's be real. Often instructional leaders are present in PLCs. They're there. They're present. Their laptop is up. My question often becomes, is the instructional leader just present or is the instructional leader actually present and participating? And by participating, I mean enhancing the conversation and moving the planning of tier one instruction along. One thing that instructional leaders must become mindful of there are questions to ask that move planning along, and there are questions that can be asked that will halt planning and the progression. So I want to use this moment when Raul just lifted the part of this is a unique skill set that instructional leaders must become aware of and also harness. That instructional leaders, when you're in that PLC room, just make certain that your intent is to move the process along.
1: Exactly. You can, you can very easily tell whether you have that, what I call a notebook principle, a compliance-driven leader versus an invested leader who sits side by side with teachers to engage in that meaningful instructional dialogue. It's such a game changer when both teachers and administrators engage in planning conversations. This is an ever-changing profession and we must all be committed to learning and moving our practice forward.
0: And I like how you just said we must all be committed. You know, I often say when I'm called in to show up at a campus that is in need of improvement or where we really are focusing on creating some sustainable systems. Collectively, I thoroughly and wholeheartedly believe Every educator shows up every day to give their best. Educators really desire to increase student achievement and move the needle of student success toward excellence. The will is there, and it is the responsibility of every instructional leader to build upon teacher will by enhancing the skill level of the teachers you're responsible for. You know, in closing, Raul, from your experience, would you like to leave campus leaders with a practical approach to implementing deconstructing standards into their campus-wide planning practices?
1: I'm, I'm more than excited to do so. You know, when we think about the state of Texas and for that, most of the states, we are provided with a list of all the standards that are to be taught for every grade level, every school year. And so using that information, we can truly maximize backwards planning as a key factor in making sure that all students are successful. Taking a deep dive into the student data over the course of the summer is a great way to intentionally plan for the first two six weeks. It'll be important to have a continuous cycle of improvement using data to continue this planning cadence throughout the year. Uh, The key is really to stay focused on forward planning by unpacking and deconstructing the standards to ensure that student mastery is occurring throughout the year versus spending so much time in the spring to catch students up for the state assessments. I see this way too many times and I cringe, really cringe every time I, I see it. It's about using these processes to plan and deliver great tier one instruction the first time.
0: You know, I like how you highlighted specifically what we do in the beginning of the year sets our campus up for true success. Yes. It's unreasonable. We're in February right now. We can begin to provide some exposure to deconstructing standards during our PLCs through conversation and dialogue, but the intense work truly does occur during when you're planning that summer you're planning out your action plan for the upcoming year. Some of you should already be immersed in planning for the next year. We're about to hit spring. It's time to start talking about what are you going to do next year? Reflect on your current PLC practices. Reflect on how are you prioritizing skills and standards? How are you unpacking the standards? Are you deconstructing the standards as Raul said? To plan for that first teach, that best teach, where there's evidence in the tier one block of differentiation. Because that's the big goal. The big goal is to utilize these practices to truly provide students with a strong tier one lesson. Exactly. You know, thank you for chatting with me about the practice of, of deconstructing standards. And thank you all for joining in and listening to our conversation. As always, on our YouTube channel, there is going to be a presentation that is anchored to deconstructing the standards if you want to go deeper into this conversation and this learning. As a reminder, this was part two of a three-part series. I urge you to listen to part one of the series where we focused on prioritizing skills and standards and to tune in next Sunday when we dive into part three of this series, Creating Aligned Learning Objectives. Until next time, turn your learning into action. And if you are an instructional leader, remember your staff is looking to you. They're looking to you for you to model, for you to support, and for you to continue pushing the needle of student achievement toward excellence. Thanks for listening to the iLEAD podcast with your host, Misty Green. You can connect with me on Twitter at Misty Green Lead. To access available resources, visit www.ileadconsulting.net. Until next time, let's keep moving the needle toward excellence.